This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined here at Rupp Arena by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you today? I'm good, Sean. Probably better than a lot of fans who live and die by Kentucky sports because it's been a brutal weekend for them. Um, we're on site still at Rupp Arena where Kentucky lost to Richmond 76-64. to Second straight season that Kentucky lost to a, uh, let's say, non-Power 5 team. But this is this is much different, though, than, than last year's Evansville game. Richmond, I had read, and The Athletic. I might have mentioned this on another podcast. Um, this is a team that some people think can be a second weekend type team in the NCAA tournament. So this is actually not a – I don't want to – people can be mad if they want. I'm not going to tell people how they should feel. But I'm not stunned that they lost this game today by any means. No, I'm not either. And, you know, we talked about Wednesday night after the Moorhead State game that this was going to be a test. I, I tweeted about it this morning that Kentucky would be tested today. Uh, the line, I think, opened up in favor of Kentucky by seven points. I think at one point it might have moved to eight. Uh, felt like Kentucky could lose this game. I, I think I told you at halftime that I didn't think they would lose this game, but I thought it was a game that they could lose. And I think we saw a lot of things happen. Once Richmond got the lead, Kentucky was not hitting shots. They were missing two and three footers. You started seeing guys get tight. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, especially to a group of freshmen who are used to the AAU circuit of things, I mean, look at this. You have Devin Askew out there who was the go-to guy on every single team that he played on in his prep career. B.J. Boston, go-to guy, every single team he played on. Terrence Clark, you go down the list. When you get to a place like this, and Cal said it on the postgame show on, uh, with Tom Leach, and I know we'll hear more from him tomorrow. Guys reverted. We hear that every single year. And I think that's what led to the offensive struggles. I'll, I'll say this, though. I'm going to go ahead and announce it. I'm not hitting the panic button. I actually don't even have any hands on the panic button. Uh, honestly, I feel better about this team than I felt after Kentucky lost to Evansville last year. I have no doubt that this Kentucky team is going to be one of the best teams in the country, Derek, and I think this will just be one of those things that you look back on and say they were not ready to play mm-hmm. a game like this today. Yeah, and this wasn't like a an inexplicable or an unexplainable loss. Just look at the numbers. Kentucky shot 36% for the game. It was even worse in the second half. They shot uh, 30%. 30% in the second half. I mean, that was rough. 0 for 10 from 3, so they got outscored by 21. Because Richmond, Richmond didn't even shoot the ball that great from 3. They went 7 for 25. So, you know, you get outshot by 21. You turn the ball over 21 times. 
one positive thing Kentucky did was really crash at the last and very well. 54 to 31 total rebounds. And Kentucky had 21 offensive boards, but the problem was they just could not really convert a lot of those opportunities. I mean, think about this, Sean. 21 offensive boards, but they only had 38 points in the paint. So you're talking about a lot of quick follow-ups after they get – and they didn't take a shot near the rim on every single offensive rebound. But the way that this offense plays in general too, Sean, I mean, they only took 10 threes. So the majority of the shots are already coming from near the paint anyway, and they still got outscored 42 to 38 down in the lane. Kind of uncharacteristic, I thought, in terms of uh, missing shots around the rim. But then the big glaring number, which was brought up uh, by Joel Justice, I was going to ask if he didn't bring it up, zero assists in the second half. And I'm going to let you kind of explain what you were seeing because you're better at that stuff than me. But you're talking about the AAU stuff. It was just – it reached a certain point in the second half where I knew Kentucky wasn't going to win this game because they weren't going to be able to produce no. the offense to do so. And, and I'll even tell you this too. It's one of those things that Cal could not fix it on the fly. Yeah. Um, there was one possession, Derek, where it was early in the second half that Terrence Clark caught the ball in front of the U.K. bench. And I think he dribbled seven or eight times. He was not giving the ball up. He got an and one. And I actually thought to myself, that might have just been the worst thing that could have ever happened. Because now what's going to happen is they're going to, he's going to do it. And you started seeing B.J. Boston do it. Uh, Devin Askew overpenetrated. What I saw from my vantage point of this thing is Kentucky has a lot of guys right now that they haven't learned to trust one another because they've never had to trust anybody at any point in their basketball career. Uh, I don't think that they trust Cal yet. I don't think that they trust each other yet. And that's something you see with young teams. Not saying that they don't respect Cal. It's one of those things to where at some point you may have to learn the hard way to be able to say, okay, now we're going to do it my way. And I think that's what you're going to have from this team moving forward. Uh, maybe as soon as Tuesday night, hopefully as soon as Tuesday night for Kentucky, that they get things right offensively. But you just had a lot of stuff, a lot of overpenetrating, um, a lot of guys, too. I'm not making a fuss about the three-point shooting because they only took 10. I'm willing to say that seven of those probably weren't even in rhythm of the offense. That's why I'm not ready to declare that they can't shoot yet, Derek. They were, what, six yeah. of 13? What were they the other night? Six of, I think that sounds right. six of 13 or so from three-point range against Moorhead State. Uh, it's not like a one guy's missing them all. It was a bunch of guys were 0 of 2 looking at this. Yeah, no one shot more than three. No. Uh, B.J. Boston, I don't think, is hit, has he hit one yet on the no, year? No, he hasn't. His so, foot was on the line on one of the shots today. So he's going to start knocking down shots at some point. Uh, I just think the, the offensive issues are more to they've never had to run a system like this before. I thought Kentucky had a, an excellent approach, an excellent game plan. They established Olivier Saar right out of the gate for this game. He was pretty much unguardable. The rip through and go that he made from the elbow, I think Kentucky got away from that a little bit too. I think that Richmond was physical. I think Kentucky had some guys that they kind of backed down. Uh, a lot of two and three footers that they missed at the rim too. That. If you just have those in the game, it's probably a different game, honestly. That's why I'm not making a fuss about the outside shooting. I don't think the outside shot was ever even a part of this offense today. There was one play where Terrence Clark, in late in the second half, maybe six minutes left, he got the ball at the top of the key, and Cal, and Cal called. He, he flattened it out. Nobody flattened out. Every Richmond player was in a gap defensively, and Terrence Clark literally tried to go through traffic. And the next thing you know, it was a turnover going the other way. I think that's what led to the turnovers, was just overpenetrating, not understanding how to run an offense. And something that you see from a lot of teams, but too, we heard Terrence Clark say it in the postgame the other night against Morehead State. Cal says, I dribble too much. 
He does dribble too much. How many times did you see him or B.J. Boston catch the ball today and the first thing they did was check the air pressure in the basketball? They bounced it, and they'd bounce it four or five times before they get somewhere, and that's those ball stoppers that Cal talks about. And then you just look at the – if you look at the stats half to half, Kentucky hit 11 shots in the first half. They hit 11 shots in the second half. Difference is that second half percentage was 30% because they shot 36, and the first half was 44% because they only shot 25. Mm-hmm. Looking at rebounds, they had 15 offensive rebounds in the second Isaiah half. Isaiah Jackson had seven for the game. 15 offensive rebounds in the second half. Turnovers were the same. They had 10 in the first half, 11 in the second half. It's no assist, and that all comes down to you're not running offense. Yeah, and while you're talking about that, there was some breaking football news. Apparently, J.J. Weaver is out for the rest of the year with torn ACL. So, tough break for him. I wonder how that's going to put his status going into next season. But we'll discuss that more tomorrow. It'll be a pretty loaded episode tomorrow, Sean and I, because there will be a Kansas game to preview. We might have to make two episodes tomorrow. Uh, it's that just, time of year. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there because I know some people might not hear about that um, until you tune in here. But. Back to basketball, what a lot of Sean said was, man, it's good stuff. And uh, Well, and two, I, did we talk about how many guys that he's going to play on the Moorhead State episode? Did we talk about I rotation? We, I think we did. And I told you, I, would, I don't think he's playing nine, and I certainly don't think he's playing ten. You saw that today. You look at the minutes, Lance Ware played two. Uh, Jacob Toppin played two. Davion Mintz is down to ten today. Uh, Cameron Fletcher, 14. That, that's Cal is, Cal is going to be Cal no matter what he's going to say. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to be who he has been since 1990. <laughs> he's going to play seven, maybe eight guys when Keon returns. You look at the minutes. B.J. Boston, 38 minutes. Uh, Terrence Clark, 35. Devin Askew, 35. That's the biggest thing that I want to bring up is Devin Askew played 35 minutes to Devion Mintz playing 10. Yeah. There is a reason that Devin Askew is playing that many minutes, even though we may not see it right now and we're seeing him struggle. There is a reason why that Cal has run him out there for 35 minutes, Derek. I don't, I don't think that I have the answer right now. I think maybe it's that Cal knows that this team needs him to be the lead guard in the backcourt for uh, running this offense when you get to January, February, March. Other than that, I really can't explain it. Uh, point guard play was not good today. And you, and I think, honestly, I think they might be better at times if Terrence Clark's around the point, but not if he's going to – the ball's going to stick in his hands. If he over dribbles, then that's not why you need him there. Uh, just a lot of issues today on the offensive end, and I'll tell you this too. Uh, I don't have concerns on the defensive end of the floor. I think the second half – look, this is a young basketball team. They got back cut a lot today, but you're having to fend for 30 seconds of a shot clock against an experienced team like Richmond. That's hard to do, especially when you're not having shots fall on the other end. And there's one thing that, hap- that, that you always hear coaches say, don't let one end of the floor affect the other end. I think late in the second half, or once Richmond went on their run, Kentucky didn't have shots falling. Look, I know when B.J. Boston misses a shot, Terrence Clark misses a shot, they think it's the end of the world right now. Yeah, it's not. It's traveling to the other end of the floor too, and I think that's what led to the second half with Richmond. What what was their point total in the second half, Derek? Richmond of forty eight points. So, pretty bad half defensively too for Kentucky on that front. But I think that had more to do with the offensive struggles, which is what you can't let happen. Kentucky scored sixty four. If they if they defend, you still have a chance to win the ball game. 
So I just chalk it up to being young. I know that's probably getting tiresome for a lot of people to, to hear that term in the Cal Perry era, but I honestly think that today's loss had more to do with who Kentucky is right now than anything else. I think that this was a very good opponent. Honestly, this game was circled as a possible upset the moment it was released on the schedule in the spring. That I'll, I thought that this could be a game that Kentucky could lose. Uh, Richmond's a quality basketball team. I, I told uh, Jack Pilgrim actually at halftime that I think that Richmond could go into the SEC and probably beat 11 to 12 teams right now. Mm-hmm. I might actually say 13 because I didn't think Kentucky or Tennessee were the two that would lose to them. But that, that's a team that honestly I think could finish top three in the SEC right now. That's how good that Richmond basketball team is. Yeah, they, I mean, they had a kid who apparently is going to be close to setting the all-time installer record for steals. They had a couple of good big men. Uh, Grant Golden was a rumored potential grad transfer for Kentucky before they got sorry, and, of course, he didn't leave. So two, two fifth-year starters in, the, in a starting lineup. This was going to be a tough test for sure for Kentucky. And, Sean, I guess one of the last points I want to make, and you touched on it a little bit, let's just look at the minutes. That Cal, this is the way Calipari dealt out the minutes today. Devin Askew, 35 minutes. B.J. Boston, 38. Clark, 35. Sar, 38. Yeah. Jackson, 26. And then Mintz was the only other guy. Or, sorry, Cameron Fletcher also. Had, he played 14, and then Mintz played 10. So, Lance Ware, who you would you know, perceive, technically the way they're playing this, Jackson was the first guy off the bench today. Yeah. I mean, typically, I think whenever Brooks is back, I think Jackson's going to be a starter. So, really, when you're talking about the bench guys, you would say Fletcher – and where, I guess, at this point in top end are guys who are, you know, the bench guys in the depth. And they, they barely – Ware played two minutes. Yeah. And he was off the bench pretty quick. <laughs> he was. So, I, I don't know. It's usually – that's that looks like a box score with the minutes that you would see from Cal, like in an NCAA tournament game yeah. is the way it was handled today. And he honestly – I think he, this game kind of felt like an NCAA tournament yeah. game in November just given the opponent that you had. Um 38, that's just too many for Sar. He just doesn't even be playing 38. I'm willing to say this. When this non-conference schedule wraps up, they're going to play Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, UCLA, Louisville. They're they're going to play non-conference games. There's not a ton of them. But we're going to look at this in late December, and I think this is going to be one of the better teams that they played in the non-conference portion of the schedule. I'm not saying Richmond's a Final Four team. I'm not saying they're going to go to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16. This will be a team that makes the NCAA tournament. Even if they don't win their league, look at the win they just got today. They yeah. came to Rupp Arena and picked up this victory. A-10 is a good league, too. It is a good league. Yeah. And I think that this is a, a quality opponent that I think could beat a lot of teams around college basketball right now had they played. But the way Kentucky played offense today, Derek, they would have lost to a lot of teams. They would have lost to anyone that was considered a challenge. They, they would have dropped just about to every SEC team that they had played. Uh, just was a very, very poor performance. I think the last 20 minutes was some of the worst basketball I've seen of the Calipari era. And I think Cal will tell you, too, that it wasn't something that could be fixed on the fly, that you kind of had to just let it play out. You hoped that you could rally and win that game. But once that thing got to 9 to 10, you started seeing guys tighten up even more. The worst shot of the game, I thought, was B.J. Boston took a long yeah, contested jumper and then come up and he he did the whole, uh, you know, like he did something to his leg or he didn't get <laughs> enough lift. I think that was more of an ego thing than anything because he was fine when they got to the yeah. other end of the floor. Uh, just a lot of frustration right now. You could see it on Cal's face. But there was a reason a week ago that he had both hands on the panic button. And I'm wondering, we didn't get that, we didn't ask Joel this, and I'm wondering if, I'm sure Cal will be asked tomorrow, 
were some of these issues that happened today what he saw a week ago? I'm willing to bet they were because it was a week ago today that they had a performance in Rupp Arena that he was not happy about. He even talked about it twice, I think. Talked, didn't he tweet about it? Yes. And then talked about it during the press conference early in the week too that maybe he could see this coming. I don't know. Uh, but then again, it looks – and I did come out and say that this is one of the better teams in the country, and I still feel that way if they're playing together and they're playing within themselves and they're playing as one. Here's the problem, though. We didn't get to see them get challenged Wednesday night. I, I mentioned it. I wanted to see how they would react when they got hit in the mouth. Well, Richmond punched them, and you had a lot of guys that they tried to throw the haymaker shot by themselves. And it just it's, that's not how you win basketball games. Did you mention, mention the specialty stats, the layups? No. UK, going by the stat broadcast, the way that they chart uh, the shots, UK was 12 for 25 on layups. Okay. So, Richmond was 18 for 22. So, obviously, just, just too many missed shots around the rim. I don't think um, – I'm with you. There's no reason to hit the panic button. And as you guys will learn from listening to me, this is, one of, this is always our first basketball podcast loss. I just think basketball, there's so many games, and it's such a March-driven sport anyway that I'm never going to really spend too much time on one basketball game. Now, if they start piling up the losses do, then maybe you start talking about it. But this was a quality team they played tonight. This team is better than what they're going to see against Georgia Tech, probably better than Notre Dame, teams like that. So Kansas won't be easy. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, certainly not a game I think they can't win by any means. I think they can win that game. But uh, you're, it's going to be like all these other teams. And we knew this coming into the year with the pandemic, that there were things about this group. You had 10 new guys, and they didn't get a normal offseason like the other teams had. So if the other teams in the past have struggled, you had to expect that this team's, you know, maybe they'll develop a little bit slower. But uh, at the end of the day, though, I, this was this is going to be end up being a good experience for them. It's going to be good for Cal. It's going to be good for the players. Um, there will be improvement for sure that comes from this game. There will be. And then you look at to the runs. Uh, Richmond took the lead at the fourteen forty nine mark. I th- well, Kentucky's last lead was at the fourteen forty nine mark. Richmond took the lead not long after that. Kentucky never got it back. Uh, it was one of those things that once it happened, you couldn't stop the bleeding, and it was because they don't know how to stop the bleeding. They, they don't. I mean, that's the thing. You, this Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, two of the best perimeter players that you will find in the country right now, in my opinion, if you're just going off of strengths. That doesn't exactly mean that they're ready to, to do things that sophomores, juniors, seniors in college basketball are ready to do, Derek. And they're freshmen. It's their second game, no preseason, no exhibition schedule. Uh, I don't think Cal knew anything about his team until today. Now he kind of has something. He has Wednesday's tape, and he has this tape. Now the beautiful thing about this sport is you get to forget about it in less than about 48 hours because you get to play again. It's not football where you have to wait a week. You get a chance to go out and bury it, and I think that's what they're going to do, and then you never know. Like you get a game next Sunday. There's Now COVID-19 could change that. You you have to kind of approach it uh, under the circumstances that any your schedule could change at any moment, but – I do want to ask you one thing, and this will probably be it for me. Um, in terms of three-point shooting, it's obviously counterintuitive when they just went over 10 to be like, oh, they need to shoot more threes because they obviously didn't make any of the ones that they did attempt. But there was a lot of talk this year. You even mentioned it uh, early in the Moorhead State game about how things might be a little bit different. Did you sense it kind of old? 
And what I mean by that is, one, is 10 threes enough to shoot in a game in 2020? And I know they didn't make any, so I get it where you want to. But it's the same thing every year, though. Like, they don't shoot a whole lot of threes. Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to ask you about the offense, basically. Well, I'm, I'm ready. I'm 110% ready to get hammered on, uh, on sources, say, with Jack later because I did say that early in the game against Morton State, it looked like Calipari was adapting. I will also tell you this. I think that their approach to the game today early was the right approach to establish Louvier Sar, but can also tell you that I think it might have hindered some ball movement because it became kind of an ISO-type game from the, from the get-go. Yeah. And I think that that honestly bled over into the rest of the game. And I, I'm, it's, it's young guys. Like, that was the whole thing, was they went to, you know, clear out to that one side. They'd, they'd isolate uh, Sar in the post, who'd done an excellent job. And maybe if they just hit a few threes, maybe it's not a huge deal because they got to the line a ton, 33. If they make some more layups, like, I don't think it's a horrible strategy. But it's just hard for me to believe that Kentucky didn't miss a, what, every game. They had a three for years and years and years. And then twice well, now under Cal, they've not made a three. And, there's a, and I think you can – honestly, I find more positives out of the over 10 than I do negatives. That probably sounds crazy. The reason I find more positives out of it is they didn't look and feel like they had to go hit one. They didn't feel – they didn't force it. No, I don't think that – I mean, if we're sitting here and this was – I would rather it be 0 of 10 than 2 of 27 yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Like, they didn't sit there and fall in love with it. I don't think this is going to be a team that shoots like Richmond shot 25 threes. Uh, does Kentucky win this game if they shoot 7 of 25 from the three-point line? I, I don't know. Like, I just – I think it's kind of a misleading thing. They certainly do need to have it be a part of the offense because what happened is I think Richmond knew once it got to the second half, I think they knew that Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Devin Askew, when they're getting downhill, the ball's not going out. It's going to the rim. And you just had guys in gaps waiting, and that's what led to a lot of these turnovers. You can turn the tape on later, and you'll see Terrence Clark at the top of the key, and they were in gap help the entire time. Everyone was in a gap ready to help on a drive. And there, we, at no point did Kentucky even kick the ball out for a look. I think uh, late in the game, it was Isaiah Jackson that attempted a corner three yeah, on a really critical position, yeah. a possession. Uh, just a lot of things that didn't go Kentucky's way. Uh, you, you add in the two-footers that they missed at the rim and a little bit better free throw shooting. I mean, 61% from the free throw line, 20 of 33. We kind of have two games now to go off of, Derek. I don't think this team's going to shoot the ball as well as last year's team did. But I will say this on a positive note, and then I have one more thing that I want to add to. Uh, on a positive note, when you're talking about this team, I think that they have a bunch of guys that want to get it right. I think they have guys that like one another. I think, too, when you look at how last year's team struggled against Evansville and they still weren't good enough to win the league by three games, I think this team is better than last year's Kentucky team, even with this loss early in the season. I think this team has more upside. I think this loss will honestly be forgotten about. I don't think it will be January and we're still sitting here talking, you know, Richmond, Richmond, Richmond. You're not going to get that line from Cal because I just think that there's a different level of respect for this team. Cal said he needed to be drug tested for this schedule. Maybe it was because it was Richmond, Kansas, back to back. I don't know because <laughs> – uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet this will be one of the better teams on their schedule, even when they get into league play. Th this was a quality basketball team. It was the reason it was the final game of the showcase. 
It was supposed to be Detroit Friday night. Honestly, right now, I think Kentucky may have been better off if they would have had another game mm, in between Moorhead State and this one. Uh, that was a four-day layoff. You had the holiday, and Richmond played. They, I think that is actually kind of important that they get to play Detroit. They want to schedule it for next month. Is it, when you look at the schedule, I mean, unless they're blowing teams out, I, just you need to get some more guys' work, and I don't think he wants to be playing a ton of close games like this. Um, Sean, I guess that's about it for me. One last thing I do want to point out, the analytics, because we brought it up last episode. I like talking about this, even though uh, I understand some things better than others. But this was a rough game for Devin Askew. It was. In the advanced stats. Um, minus 13.7. It was his net points allowed. So he only produced 2.8 points. And the analytics say he allowed 16.5. So when you look at that, and then the floor percentage, which is the – Possessions in which at least one point was scored, only 9.8, or sorry, 16.4. And other guys, I mean, there's four other guys who had over 40%. So it just kind of tells you how far off he was. And he played a lot of minutes. Uh, so he had a tough assignment, though. Uh, one of the best defenders in the country was on him. But I do think that's interesting what you brought up earlier um, with why he played so many minutes. There's a reason behind that. But Mance only played – you know, he only played 10. He wasn't much better. I mean, they just didn't get anything from the point no, guards today. And, and people are going to bring up the whole Dante Allen factor, too. Of he's probably the best shooter on the team. Why is he not playing? There's reasons why. Yeah. Uh, there's reasons. You cannot just be a shooter. And, two, I will say it, and I'm, my opinion may change. I'm giving it till the Louisville game because that's pretty much a month of basketball that we would have. I'm not going to say that this team can't shoot the basketball until I see them actually have it as a part of their offense and not be able to do it. The three-point shot was not even a part of their offense today. Yeah. It almost looked like they were playing in the 1970s and 1980s because <laughs> it was nothing but at the rim, at the rim. If you're not shooting them, how do you know you can't shoot? Ten shots, but it's not like it was a ton. I mean, we've seen, we've seen good teams go 0 of 10 in a stretch. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just holding off on that, too. I want to make one note. Uh, to people listening, I think a lot of the offensive struggles, too, in the second half, when the game got tight, Richmond took the lead. In January, February, Kentucky's going to know who they are, who they play through in that spot. Right now, they don't know that. Right now, you have two dynamic perimeter players in Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston. Is Terrence better with the ball in his hands? Is B.J. Boston better coming off some of those runners like uh, Tyrese Maxey did last year, Emmanuel Quickly? Olivier Saar in the post. They have plenty of options. I just don't think they know who they who they are right now. I don't think Cal knows who they are. And I think that's something that you kind of fill out in a normal year. You feel, you find it out against Transylvania and Pikeville or Georgetown or something like that, or in some of these non-conference games. They don't know who they are right now, Derek. And honestly, these guys, every one of these guys are used to playing with the ball in their hands. At some point, you will see B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark give the ball up and work off the ball, and that's when this thing becomes really fun is because then you see the development. Right now it's ugly. I promise you I do not think it will be ugly much longer. Yeah. They'll get it figured out. And also worth noting again, you know, no Keon Brooks still. We don't know if he'll be back Tuesday. Uh, Joel Justice said that – well, he basically didn't give an update. It's not really – you wouldn't expect that anyway from Joel. But uh, still a question that <laughs> no. needed to be asked. So I'd say tomorrow with Cal, you'll get a little bit yeah. more information. But at this point, I might be a little bit surprised if he plays against Kansas. But he's just another guy, though, who does have a little bit of experience. We know he has talent. He's going to be another guy who comes into this mix. And uh, that's all I've got, Sean. Just a yeah. uh, tough weekend, I know, for Kentucky fans. But for this basketball team, I think uh, – Hang in there. You know, you know things should get better. I mean, Cal's track record would suggest that here in a few months – 
this will this will be a much different looking team. They're they're going to drop in the AP poll tomorrow. It's not a big deal. I mean, they're they're going to drop. But honestly, Derek, I don't think they're going to drop very far. I think that people will value this Richmond team a little bit more. It's not going to be like the drop that they had after Evansville last year. But right now, who cares where you're ranked yeah. in the AP poll? We don't know anything about any of these teams in college basketball. Virginia lost to San Francisco the other day. It, mm -hmm. it means absolutely nothing right now. Uh, now you know what you need to work on. They, the unfortunate thing is they have one practice before they play Kansas. It's like an NCAA tournament top setting. That's why you would have liked to have got this win today and then you go into a matchup on Tuesday. But it's going to be December. They've played two games. Do not panic yet. This is going to be a good basketball team. I'm confident that they have the pieces to kind of get it figured out. I'm, I'm not pushing the panic button. And honestly, John Calipari probably will tell you he is, but I don't think he is either. I think that uh, this is one of those things that you got to have patience, especially in a year like this. And this is just a team that just needs to learn to play together, and I, I think they will. Anything else you have to add? I think we've about said all I want to say. Uh, probably I would expect, just with it being the Champions Classic Tuesday, we'll probably have two episodes of tomorrow just because I'll have some more football thoughts and just to avoid having about an hour-long episode, we'll probably chop that up into two. And then Tuesday will probably only be a post-game episode yeah. from the Champions Classic unless we get someone to preview or something, but I'm, I'm kind of holding off on that because Make sure honestly, you have your coffee because it's what a non thirty two. It is. The, I guess the good news is you don't have two games in the same building, so it should be a nine thirty on the dot tip yeah. in Indianapolis. I, I I say that now and watch it get started at eleven o'clock. I won't be there. I don't. Are you covering? Um, uh, I won't be there now. So I'm I'm not going to be at the Champions Classic. Derek won't either. So we'll be available post game, and everything. We'll have more for you tomorrow on the football front. And then uh, John Calipari also will be speaking tomorrow, too, and he'll, I'm sure he'll be talking all about these issues. One more thing, too, I want to say. I don't think I said this, Derek. Uh, I think Cameron Fletcher's addition to the starting lineup today, honestly, had more to do with trying to get Jackson and Saar away from one another early to avoid foul trouble. Mm -hmm. I think Cal knew that he needed those guys on the floor against Grant Golden and that uh, experienced front court that Richmond has. I think that had a lot to do with it. Honestly, I think that it would go the other way Tuesday night. I don't, and two, I don't know if that even had anything to do with rhythm. Uh, a lot of guys didn't play well today. I think they'll certainly be better nights for everyone on this Kentucky basketball roster. But we'll be sure to bring all that action to you Tuesday, and then we'll be uh, back here again tomorrow to uh, give you UK football and UK basketball news. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.